Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, yeah. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Fast swing. On the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Alright guys, we're joined now by Southern Pigskins' Jim Johnson. Jim's going to join us to kind of... Uh, do an overview of the Sunbelt Conference and kind of, you know, wrap the league a little bit through three weeks as Georgia Southern heads into its bye week. Um, wanted to kind of check in on the Sunbelt. So, Jim, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Travis, what's going on? Uh, not much, man. It's a bye week. So, as you know, we're probably reaching for some things to, to talk about. But um, I guess, yeah, I wanted to have you on, Jim, to, to kind of check in on the Sunbelt. Um, a lot of our listeners... And, you know, even me, we spend most of our time on Georgia Southern, obviously. But um, as Georgia Southern heads into uh, conference play, I wanted to catch up on the rest of the league. So I guess for you, it's early, but for you, what are some of the storylines coming out of the Sun Belt? You know, what's changed that we thought we knew? Uh, what, what's what been confirmed, you know, that, that we thought before the season? And, and I guess what are some of the surprises for you thus far? Yeah, well, I, as far as what's changed uh, that – as opposed to what I thought in the preseason, uh, a couple of things that have stood out. I think Arkansas State's cornerbacks are really good, and and probably I'm not ready to say it yet, but are close to rivaling Georgia Southern's duo. And I didn't think that Vildor and Brinson would have a peer in the conference this year, but I think Jeremy Smith and Jerry Jacobs are pretty close. So I knew Jacobs was a stud. He was right there last year. Uh, probably just behind him. I think I had him number three in my cornerback rankings. And then Smith has really emerged. He was lights out in their game against UNLV. So that's something to keep an eye on. App State's defense might be in a little more, more trouble than we thought. We knew that they lost two awesome cornerbacks of their own in Clifton Duck and Tay Hayes, but they returned so much talent. Now, one thing that I would say is the biggest concern is I didn't like their defensive coordinator hire when they made it, Ted Roof. Never was a fan of his at Georgia Tech. Didn't think he really put put out many good defenses and probably underachieved relative to the talent that they had. And uh, I'm a little bit nervous that his super bend don't break style could bite App a little bit. I just don't. I don't know that he's taking full advantage of their talent. And then the third thing that's really stood out is ULM's offensive line might be pretty close to Louisiana's and and I didn't think anyone like just like with George Southern's cornerbacks I didn't think anybody would be close to that unit I didn't think that any offensive line in the league would be close to what the Raging Cajuns had but their in-state foe the Warhawks might be right there and and they too you know just like Louisiana theoretically was going to return five starters from last year ULM did too and while ULM's Devin Jackson hasn't, I think he's, he hasn't yet to start this year. Um, they're trying out some other guys at that guard spot. 
you will, it, it's against a combination of things. ULM's looked really good on the offensive line, and Louisiana's had some personnel attrition. Lost Cole Prudhomme in the preseason, and then they also lost Ken Marks, uh, one of their offensive guards, in, I think, after or during the first game of the year. Now, Osiris yeah. Torrance has done a good job filling in. Uh, Max Mitchell, the other tackle, who actually started over a returning starter, Rico Robinson, he's done a good job. So I don't know that it's hugely concerning, but I think ULM's pretty close. Yeah, and and I guess let's stick right there with the Louisiana teams quickly, Jim. I guess for you, uh, has Louisiana done anything um, to warrant not being the favorite in the West? I know a lot of people like Arkansas State, but you know, for me, from what I've seen, I still like Louisiana out of that division. I guess for you, how do you think Louisiana um, stacks up uh, against the rest of the West, even with those injuries? Yeah, I, I still. I honestly, in the preseason, I actually picked Arkansas State to win the league, not so much because I thought they were better than Louisiana. Their schedule was just a lot easier. They don't have to play uh, App State in a crossover, so dodging that was pretty much the difference maker for me. But after seeing them so far, especially the way Louisiana played against Mississippi State, who going into the year, I was still convinced would have like a top-10 defense probably – I'm convinced Louisiana can run the ball against anybody. Like I don't care. Clemson, whoever, line them up. Louisiana, they might not you know, rip off 10 yards per carry or whatever, but they'll run the ball with some modicum of efficiency against pretty much any team in the country, in part because while they have had some injuries on the O-line, they still have their big two, Robert Hunt and Kevin Dotson, who are the best two offensive linemen in the league, and they have three running backs who you could all argue are the best in the league. So they're just stacked in the run game. And, yeah, that's going to be a nightmare for anybody to match up with, regardless of classification, regardless of your own talent. Um, but I, I still think even after Arkansas State showing it's Georgia and you know that outcome wasn't a surprise, but maybe the way in which it happened, like the sheer dominance that Georgia yeah. had – uh, you know, I, I don't know how – I think it probably says more about Georgia than Arkansas State. But but still, I, I think the scheduling thing for me would still maybe have Arkansas State as the favorite. But I'm, I'm, I'm close to hedging on that. Yeah, that's fair. And for those uh, wondering, to Jim's point, Louisiana has ran the ball uh, really incredibly. They're averaging eight yards a carry. They got 14 rushing touchdowns, averaging 337 rushing yards per game. So that is uh, that obviously speaks for itself. Uh, Jim, let's jump over to the East Division now. Um, I guess I'll leave this one open-ended and, and pretty simple for you. Are teams like Coastal Carolina and Georgia State uh, legitimate threats to kind of move into that top tier of you know that big three in the East? Georgia State knocked off Tennessee in week one. Coastal knocked off Kansas in week two. Kansas is no uh, juggernaut, and I guess neither is Tennessee, but those are two power five wins. I guess for you, Coastal Carolina and Georgia State, are they um, a threat to kind of move into that top three in the East? Yeah, I mean, those have to be the two biggest surprises as far as wins and losses go so far. You've had some other, I guess, surprising performances, like the Arkansas State getting beat by that much, Georgia Southern getting beaten by that much against LSU, although again, you know, I think that says more about those teams than than anything else, I mean, LSU and Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, I guess, they're just kind of playing a different game than everybody else. Uh, but, yeah, as far as Georgia State and, and Coastal, I'm going to say a hard no for Georgia State because while they did beat Tennessee, it's becoming increasingly mystifying how they did that given that they proceeded to nearly lose to Furman and then get <laughs> smoked by 47 against Western Michigan. 
last week. Like after week one, I was like, wow. I mean, they look really good in the trenches. Dan Ellington looks like he's ready to emerge. Uh, and then I, I don't know. It's just like everything went south after that. So I, I'm I'm already kind of riding off towards the state as it came to the Sun Belt. Great win. Nothing can take it away, anything away from that. That's a signature win, the greatest win in program history. It was awesome uh, for a program that young to beat a powerhouse or a perennial blue blood, but they're just not there yet. Coastal Carolina, maybe. Uh, their quarterback situation, I think they're still figuring out a little bit, but C.J. Marable's awesome. They have some decent pass-catching talent. O-line worries me, and the, de- the, the defense is talented, but – I still feel like they're a year away on that side of the ball. It's so, so young. They're not going to lose anybody, basically, going into 2020. So maybe next year, this time, we'll be talking about Coastal Carolina. But I'm not ready to put them in that top three yet. All right, Jim. And then for you, obviously, this, you know, every football season has injuries and kind of uh, suspensions and, and things like that that, you know, impact the team and the league as a whole. Georgia Southern, obviously, is no stranger to that with. Uh, their quarterback, Shywertz, being out, and, and then Wes Kennedy with the academic uh, four-game suspension. But I guess, you know, and I saw um, this week Troy's running back, B.J. Smith, who um, you guys liked, really, really, really liked in the OAYP rankings. So injuries, um, besi- you know, B.J. Smith for Troy, App State's, I guess, you know, maybe not their starting running back, but uh, an impact guy in Cameron Peoples. Uh, you touched on Louisiana center. Uh, out for the year. So I guess for you, are there any injuries that have impacted the league uh, that we should be keeping an eye on? Uh, as far as B.J. Smith, it feels weird to say because he was the second leading rusher in the league last year, but I don't know that it's like a huge, huge big deal. And they still have you know, a handful of guys, D.K. Billingsley, Jamontez Woods, Jabir daltrey Fi, uh, And Smith, while he was pretty efficient and super steady, like getting guys like Daughtry Fry more touches may not be a bad thing. They're kind yeah. of more home run hitters, and 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 especially given what we saw in Week One, I, I, that was another out way where I wasn't necessarily surprised with the outcome, but the way in which they lost to Southern Miss, like that game was a shootout, and their passing offense looks awesome. If you can add Daughtry Fry catching crafts out of the backfield, same thing for Billingsley. Uh, maybe that's actually a more dangerous element and granted you're going to lose some consistency not having smith but i don't think that's a huge big deal cameron peoples at app state he's like their fourth running back i mean the way darrington evans is playing i just it, it's not it doesn't matter Cole evans Crudum, has been I, unreal man evans yeah, has been yeah, so good he's, he's on a ridiculous tear um I'm going to be interested to see what he does this, this week against north carolina yeah. um cameron cameron P, or uh, cole prudum that is I'll say it matters, but not like a ton. I think Shane Velo has done a good job stepping in at center, and he's not Cole Prudham. Cole Prudham is probably a top two center in the league. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I don't think it's like a monster big deal as long as Hunt and Dotson are healthy because we've seen, like I mentioned, uh, Os- uh, Mitchell step in at left tackle and Osiris Torrance at guard and haven't really missed a beat, I think in large part because of the uh, – the, the Dotson Hunt duo, they're, they're just so good. But Wirtz, that one is obviously huge. I mean, that's, with all due respect to Josh, or uh, not Josh Tomlin, not, not the Braves pitcher, uh, yeah. Justin Tomlin. Um, uh, uh, Shy Wirtz is the, the, the heart and soul of that Georgia Southern offense. And, and I had some concerns about the offensive line going into the year, but, you know, I, I, I think it's been – maybe a little better than I even expected. Uh, defensively, I you know, LSU is what it is, 
but they were they had some really star-studded performances against Minnesota. Um, like a, a handful of guys just went like all the way off in that game. So defense could still be elite, should still be elite. The playmakers, you know, uh, uh, I guess when you get Wesley Kennedy back, that's going to really help things too. Like everything's just fine. It's all, it's all, it's all in place for the most part, except for the quarterback. And if Wurtz is what he was last year, even close to that, Georgia Southern can beat any team in the league. If Tomlin's in, they're a good team. They're probably a second-tier Sunbelt team and, and probably a bowl team even, but they're not competing. If Wurtz is there, they're competing to win the title. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that, and, and I guess you touched on a lot of it there, but I, I wanted to get your thoughts on Georgia Southern as a whole through three games. You know, Obviously, I, I keep reminding myself, and I say this a lot on, the pod, on this podcast, I kind of keep reminding myself, okay, you don't have Wurtz, you don't have Kennedy, so it's not you know, really a true measurement yet. Obviously, going against LSU and Minnesota, those aren't great measurements. Uh, FCS team, Maine, that's not really, you know, an excellent uh, guide point, if you will. So I guess for Georgia Southern, for me, so far it's been kind of wait and see. But I guess for you, is there anything that stood out, you know, through Georgia Southern's first three games uh, that you wanted to hit on? I mean, I'm I'm with you pretty much. I don't I don't know that anything has been like especially jarring. I think initially seeing what LSU did to the secondary was like, ooh, maybe losing the safeties yeah. hurt a little bit. Maybe maybe Vildor and Brinson been reading some headlines, but then they were even better. Like they they toasted Texas's secondary worse than they did Georgia Southern. So I I, I mean, maybe LSU LSU's just on, the new offense is on a new level. So that's kind of I've kind of uh, come off that a little bit, and I just want to wait and see what they do in conference play now. Uh, and then other than that, yeah, I think it's you get Wurtz back especially, and, and to a lesser degree, albeit still of uh, pretty you know big importance, you get Kennedy back, and, and it's a little bit of a different team. Like you're, you lack a certain playmaking without them. And I think the running backs have still done a pretty good job so far, but it's with those guys. If, if Wurtz plays against Minnesota – Georgia Southern wins that game. If Kennedy plays, Georgia Southern might win that game. And you could say, okay, well, you know, special teams and defensive scores, stuff like that, whatever. But if Wurtz plays that game, I'm convinced that that's a win for Georgia Southern. So you just kind of have to wait. And now, granted, I think that was the right call. If he wasn't 100%, you don't play in there. The goal is not to go out and beat Minnesota. The goal is to win the yeah. Sun Belt if you're Georgia Southern. So I thought that was the right call. Um, that being said, yeah, I just I don't think we can learn too much about the offense until we see the actual offense. And as far as the defense, as devastating as LSU was in that first game, they're just going to do that to everybody this year. So it is what it is. All right, Jen, let's wrap up with this. I want to kind of get you uh, to tier the Sunbelt teams if we can. And we don't have to, uh, you know, originally I was going to do tier one, tier two, tier three for the for the 10 teams. But, uh, you know, I think most people kind of probably know who stacks up right there in the middle. But for me, I wanted to get your kind of tier one and maybe tier three uh, Sunbelt teams. So, you know, at the beginning of the year, I think you and I were pretty much on the same page. Uh, we liked Texas State to possibly come out of that bottom tier and maybe move up into the middle. And then we obviously liked App, uh, Troy, and Arkansas State near that tier one level. So for you, I guess right now, uh, you know, who would you slot in at tier one and, and maybe tier three for the Sunbelt? I mean, honestly, if I had to really, truly tear it out, I and you have to, might... you, you got to on this okay, one. Now. <laughs> I have to, I have to. I, 
that might be by themselves in tier one, even with that defensive performance. I, I, I think it'll get better. I would hope so. They're just so talented. I think I might put App alone in in Tier 1. That doesn't mean they're a lot to win the conference. Those Tier 2 teams, especially at the top, Troy and Georgia Southern, can both beat them. And then in the West, I I would add ULM into that Tier 2 with Arkansas State and Louisiana. So that leaves – I'm going to leave Texas State down there. They just haven't been good. And and I still contend that if Texas State – Texas State is is probably four offensive linemen – and one quarterback away from being a second-tier team. I still yeah. love the back end of their defense. Defensive line is good enough. Aaron Brewer, they have really they have an all-conference caliber uh, tackle in Aaron Brewer. It's just the rest of the offensive line is a nightmare. And who knows? Maybe if the O-line was better, they don't even need a quarterback. I don't even think it's fair to pass judgment on Gresh Jensen uh, yet, and, and not fully, having seen how poor his protection's been. And then outside of that, I'm going to leave CCU down there, Coastal down there for for the time being. I, you know, I, I mentioned earlier they could jump into that second tier, but I think they're a year away. And Georgia State and South are just kind of bottom dwelling for the time being. Yeah, I would agree with you. So not much change, you know, for now through three weeks. Um, all right, Jim, we'll leave it right there. You want to give everyone uh, the info of how to follow you, how to read your stuff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jim Johnson SP. Also follow Southern Pigskin. Um, and yeah, go to southernpigskin.com. You can see all, all of our writing and my uh, OAYP stuff. We've been doing some belt roundups where you can see the top five players at every position after all the new data comes in each week, as well as the team of the week where it's just the best players from that week's individual games or games against FBS teams, at least. And while I haven't been doing too much Sunbelt preview stuff yet because it's been mostly non-conference games or games against Power 5 teams. I'm going to start doing that a lot more uh, as far as like game previews with my numbers uh, as we get into conference play. And I do have one up on App State right now. Actually, I think that's the first Sunbelt one I've done, App State, uh, playing UNC this weekend. Of course, you know, as you know, I wrote that this morning and it goes up tonight and I wrote about how they weren't going to have Corey Sutton and then couple hours ago it comes out that Corey Sutton's going to be there so you know right that's whatever ignore that part but um but yeah you can go check all that on southernpigskin.com and follow me at Jim Johnson SP and follow Southern Pigskin at Southern Pigskin awesome Jim we appreciate it thanks a lot awesome Travis thanks man All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannahnow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you. But go join the mailing list for the newsletter. And this is how you do it. Go to savannahnow.com and look on the right side of the homepage. Click get our newsletters and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast, and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. All right, we're joined now by 247 Sports, Justin Judy. Justin will give us the ins and outs of Georgia Southern's 2020 uh, recruiting class. As we are on the bye week, we need stuff to talk about. And why not talk about 2020 Georgia Southern football? So, Justin, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you having me. All right, Justin. So, like we said, we want to hit the 2020 class and kind of give our listeners 
Um, an early overview. I know we're a long way out from December, but you know, as you know, that kind of sneaks up faster than than people think. So I guess right now, Georgia Southern has nine hard commits on two four seven sports. And I guess for for you so far, kind of an overview of the class uh, and what it looks like thus far. Uh, it's pretty balanced right now. You know, uh, they've got some some kind of some star power there. They got seven three stars. Uh, you know, they've got some guys that are, you know, being courted by other schools, so that's always a good thing. Uh, even though, you know, for Georgia Southern fans, they might not want to hear that, but you want guys that uh, are wanted by other places. So they're going to have to hold on to some guys, uh, and then they're going to have to add to what they got. But uh, they've, got, they've got a pretty solid class right in the middle of the Sun Belt rankings right now, uh, but definitely room to, to grow and get better. And so for you, who kind of sticks out thus far? Like we said, nine hard commits. Um, I don't want to mispronounce the name, but Howard, the safety, seems to be uh, pretty highly rated. You know, I've seen a lot of videos of uh, this Pelixson guy from Pennsylvania. For you, uh, maybe touch on one or two of these guys. I know Tyler Bride won a Player of the Week award uh, last week or maybe the week before. Kind of, uh, what do some of these guys offer? Yeah, I mean, both, all three of those are kind of Chalon Howard, uh, Sean Pelkinson and uh, and Tyler Bride are probably the top three commits they got, you know, right now on the board. Uh, like you mentioned, Pelkinson's interesting. He's in Pennsylvania, so it's a long way from home. Uh, he had a really good opening score uh, right there by um, the Clemson commit, Brian Breeze, which is a top ten overall player in the country. Um, so, you know, he's he was right there in the top five group of that. So, a uh, really good get out of Pennsylvania. Uh, seems to like Georgia Southern a lot, so – uh, you know, it's the best you can do right now. Just hope he sticks with you. Uh, Jalen Howard's from Madison, Florida. You know, uh, a lot of people comp- compare him and say he's even as good, if not better, right now than Travis Jay, who played there last year, signed with Florida State. He's a freshman mm-hmm. on the Seminole team. So uh, he's obviously a good player, DB. He's going to be courted by a lot of schools. Um, talked to him the other day. You know, he's, he, his recruitment's still open, but, you know, he's still committed to George Southern. So take that for what it is. Um, and then Tyler Bride, like you said, Versatile athlete that just puts up some monster numbers, video game stats at uh, Georgia or Greater Atlanta Christian, rather. And uh, he seems to be kind of a guy that Georgia Southern likes on the defensive side of the ball, but he's killing it on offense right now, too. Going into 2020, maybe before these nine guys committed, and we know that those aren't, um, you know, nothing set in stone with commitments until they sign, but. I guess for you heading into 2020, what were some of the things that Georgia Southern needed to address in this upcoming class? Well, I think definitely, you know, they want some quarterbacks. You never have enough quarterbacks. Uh, you know, running backs and then defensive line and, uh, say, linebackers, you know, um, just kind of folks around the program. Those are kind of your big four of your needs. Um, you know, with Shy Words kind of becoming an upperclassman. Justin Tomlin's obviously showing some good things, but you need depth in that room. Running backs, like I say, you always go through probably three or four a season, especially with Georgia Southern's type of offense. So I think they could stand to use you know, a few of those guys and can never have enough on the line. So uh, I don't think they turn any good big bodies away either. So we don't know this yet, and I don't know if, if you know, you've talked to some of these commits uh, this far into it, I guess. Uh, guys like Tyler Bride and, and – Seth Robertson and Anthony Dinkins McCall, I guess those are athletes on 247's website. Have you had any indication as to where Georgia Southern might use guys like that, or is it just too far out to, to know that yet? No, I mean, I think Bride's a guy they like as a DB, uh, even though he's playing running back in GAC. He's kind of doing everything. I think they like his measurables as a defensive back. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he's one they like on the defensive side. Now, Dinkins McCall, I think he's been told kind of, you know, hey, you're a specialist return guy, slot kind of guy. I'd be surprised if he wasn't an offensive guy and a special teams returner. Um, and then Seth Robertson, probably too early on him because, uh, you know, he's kind of doing it all for his high school. So I think they'd get the guys on campus and see where they best fit. But I think they like Brad's potential. They think he's got the greater ceiling and uh, as, a, as a defensive back. All right, Justin. And then I guess for uh, uh, Georgia Southern, they don't really have a lot of guys leaving early for the draft and things like that. So you kind of know – uh, what kind of numbers you want for each class based off of, you know, just the size of the senior class, I guess. But right now with nine hard commits, uh, last year I think they ended up inking 19 or 20 guys. Um, how big do you think this class will be? Uh, what kind of range should we be looking for? Uh, I'd say they're going to try to get as many as, as they can. I mean, I'd say somewhere similar to that number of last year. I mean, the numbers seem to work themselves out. What, you know, coaches can get crafty with and staffs can do is, you know, there's going to be some natural attrition, right? Some guys mm-hmm. that maybe are buried, buried on the depth chart, and they can back count some guys. So, you know, they these spots are precious. You know, they want to get as many guys as they can because you really just never know. Maybe two or three years down the road, you know what you got. But out of high school, you want to get as many guys as you can because you just don't know which ones are going to flourish in the college setting. So why not try your hand in as many numbers as you can? So I don't see them signing a small, small class. I see them signing – you know, an 18 to 23 type range somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that'll all just depend on kind of what vibes they're getting from the guy that maybe, you know, he won't push out the door, but you know how it goes. It's a business and these kids transfer portal changes things for sure. Um, maybe there's some guys right now that have privately said, Hey, look, I'm looking around. Uh, and you know, so the numbers seem to work themselves out, but I don't see George Southern cutting himself short just for the sake of having maybe, you know, some upperclassmen, they'll make the numbers work. Yep. And so, Justin, we talked to you in the offseason, but it's been a while um, since we got to catch up with you. I wanted to ask you, uh, and I guess this is more of an opinion question and answer, when the J.D. King news broke uh, in late to mid-August, did you, I guess since then, have you heard, you know, any kind of guys from the 2020 and even maybe future classes, did that J.D. King decision kind of impact anyone at all, given that, you know, even if he wasn't going to be eligible in 2019, uh, I guess a lot of recruits knew that King was going to be there in 2020, no matter what. I guess, did that, has that impacted any kind of running back uh, uh, commits or, you know, lack thereof for Georgia Southern? You know, I don't think so. I think Georgia Southern does a good job of, you know, even when they had, you know, Matt Breida and guys before, uh, didn't really slow them down on the recruiting of the running backs. You know, they were getting the Grant Walker types and the uh, Logan Wrights and Matthew LaRoche. It seemed like they were just piling on Andrew Cunningham. So, you know, I think that there's their messages, and they can prove it on film, is that, you know, they're not a one or two back type of program. You know, they need three, four, five guys in the stable. They like to rotate them in and out. So I think they're going to get their guys, and I think J.D. King actually can provide a benefit because, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he has that, you know, big body, that NFL potential that they look for um, down the road. Who knows what will happen. But, you know, out of high school, I know he's arguably the best running back in the state. So I think he can provide a lot, um, you know, for, for recruits. And, you know, they want to play with good players. So I don't think it's hurting them. I mean, probably isn't helping them as far as just complete depth chart-wise. But I don't think it's going to yeah. scare anybody off of Georgia Southern Run. So. All right, Justin, I guess let's wrap up with this one. Of the guys that that uh, are Georgia Southern targets, 
um, you know, offers or, you know, close to being offered, I guess. Who are some of the guys that you think Georgia Southern fans need to kind of monitor, you know, whether it be on Twitter or whether it be on your website, kind of monitor uh, as this season goes along some of the bigger targets for Georgia Southern in this 2020 class? Well, yeah, I mean, I think quarterbacks, you know, uh, there's a guy named Sam Kernison out of uh, – he's out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, ironically enough. He's a South Alabama commitment. Um, you know, Randy Anderson out of Oxford, Mississippi, uh, athlete. They like him as a running back. Uh, changes things if Ole Miss offers that guy. You know, he's right in their backyard. And uh, I guess with Kernison, too, you know, LSU right there in Baton Rouge. So, um, But, you know, if they don't get those type of power five offers, uh, you know, George Sullivan's in play for, for both of those guys. Um, you know, they were down to see Raquan Jones. He's a defensive line commit from Coastal Carolina. So uh, he's another one to watch. But, uh, you know, it's it, right now it's one of those deals where they're just kind of filling out. I mean, some of these kids are committed already, so you're trying to see if you can flip some guys around. But other guys are trying to flip your guys too. So it's a silly season for a reason, and it's kind of hitting full gear now. So Yeah, and thank God we have people like you to keep up with it because some of us, you know, this recruiting stuff kind of, makes my mind boggle. I can't imagine uh, having your job. Uh, Justin, you want to let everyone know how they can follow you, track your stuff, and track Georgia Southern recruiting? Yeah, so it's www.eaglesportsinsider.com and uh, on Twitter, of course, ESI247 at ESI247 and uh, we'll be bringing it all to you. Okay, Justin, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, sir. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.